I am excited. We're continuing our family tree series. And so we started with Abraham. We talked about his son, Isaac. Tonight we're going to talk about his son, Jacob, or one of his sons. He has two sons. We're going to hear about both of them a little bit. Um, But before we jump into that, just to kind of like, you know, get us in the frame of mind for Jacob's story, I have a favorite television show. Anybody got a favorite television show? It's my absolute favorite television show that you guys have watched the entire series, top to bottom, probably more times than I should admit, Um, enough to like where things are kind of like memorized for me, it's Gilmore Girls. Anybody ever seen this? So, Gilmore Girls, I love it. was on before and I don't get it now, but Gilmore Girls, and I I think I really like it because there's like a lot of laughs, there's some, there's cries, there's drama, but anyways, I've been re-watching the first season of Gilmore Girls with my daughters because of their age where they kind of like get the humor and this is cute, and so like we watch it at home, so if there's a scene they don't need to see, like we do the parent thing where like it just disappears and so they don't actually know that it's there because we just fast forward real quick Um, but like we've been watching through this first season and the other day we like watched an episode or two and then like paused it because y'all we can't watch TV in our family without snacks like somebody's always pausing it to go get more snacks so they pause it and then like I think my youngest went to get a snack and she didn't come back so we get like the screensaver on Netflix. Have you guys seen these things where it's like, watch the show, and then it has the little descriptions at the bottom about like, like it's like feel good or whatever. So like the one for Gilmore Girls pops up. So it's advertising what I'm already watching, probably some wasted advertising money there. Um, but it's advertising what I'm already watching in the description, one of the words it says soapy. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> like, I like soap operas. Um, I'm not comfortable with that, but I like soap operas. But, but the word for it was like soapy, right? And, and we were laughing, and then like an advertisement for another show I like comes up, and it also said soapy. And I was like, oh, man, I'm like totally that lady now. Um, but I really thought, um, as I was like planning the sermon and thinking of that word soapy, that like it's a good word for Jacob's life. Like, this dude that we're going to talk about tonight, if they were to make a movie of his life, the description on Netflix would pop up and it would say, Soapy. (laughs) Okay? Like, it is, it's just, he's he's a mess. There's the drama. Um, There's twins. There's multiple women. There's wrestling matches. There's, like, trickery. Like, Jacob is, is kind of, like, a really, really interesting character. So if you ever have, like, pulled out the Bible and and told somebody, I don't like to read that. It's boring. You have not read the story of Jacob. You've not read it. Not read it. Because, like, it's super interesting. It keeps keeps you coming back because, like, you're like, what's this dude going to get into next? Um, But also, I really like him. Like, I really like his story. And I think there might be two reasons I like Jacob. Okay, the first is, like, my namesake, Jackie, comes from, like, Jacob, they have the same root in like old languages from long ago. Um, so it's every time as a kid, like if you're in school and they're like, look up what your name means. It's like from Jacob. And like when I was little, I was like, that's a boy's name. So I really like that. Um, but like I kind of know like we have like the similar name root and that's interesting. 
uh, which it's funny, we'll talk about what his name means later, so it's like, do you really want to have the same name as Jacob? Not really. Um, but second, he's, he's a little bit of a schemer, and he's always into something. He's always into something throughout his whole story, and as my dad says, I'm always up to something, so like, I kind of, it's kind of relate. It's like he gets kind of out of one situation, and he finds himself in another, and he gets out of that, and he finds himself in another, and I'm just like, I can kind of relate to this dude. Like, of all of the, um, the early fathers of our faith, I just, I, I kind of relate to them. Um, so it's a fun story. Let's jump into it. So Jacob, he was wrestling from birth. Um, he did everything, the good things he did, the bad things he, he did. He did everything with a lot of zeal, with a lot of passion. Um, and through him, we see how a strong leader can also be a servant. And we also see how the wrong things we do can come back to haunt us. So he's like a really relatable, like just really real dude. So let's start at the beginning of his story, which you guys kind of heard about him last week because Matt was preaching about his dad. And you know, that's, that's the thing about like stories of families. It's like, well, you become a dad, like, you know, hopefully early in life. And so like then your kid's story and yours are going to overlap a little bit. So we heard about him a little bit. Well, we're going to zero in on him tonight. So in Genesis 25... Verse 21, we have the story of his delivery, and it was eventful, y'all. Like, it was an eventful delivery. So this is Isaac. This is his father. Prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answers his prayer, and his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her, and she said, why is this happening to me? You guys, if I had babies, like, jostling within me, I would be wondering why that's happening, too. Um, so she went to inquire of the Lord. A good thing to do if this happens. Go pray about it. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. So, so like, she's pregnant with these two babies. They are jostling. I'm going to say wrestling. They're moving around a lot. And she's like, what is happening? So she goes and prays the Lord, and the Lord, like, speaks to her about them, like from even before the time they're born, the Lord speaks to her about them. So it says, when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. I think, you know, at some point, all the moving around, she started to probably suspect that. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Esau. I don't, I don't know what that was like, but he was red and hairy. Um, after this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. So, you guys, this dude was wrestling from before the time he was born. And I, I have to confess, I've given birth, like, three times. <laughs> I have no idea what it would be like to give birth to a baby who was holding on to another baby. That just kind of sounds crazy to me. Um, but this is the way, the way he came into the world. I would not want to be Rebecca in this scenario. I'll just say that. Uh, so he's a bit of a trickster. We're going to kind of like talk about his life. You guys can go back and read it later. Okay. I'm not going to read every bit of his life or we'd be here for quite a while. But you can go back and look at it if you want to get more into these stories. So right after this, it skips to a little bit, a little bit later when the twin brothers are older, Jacob and Esau. And um, so Jacob gets his older brother to sell him his birthright for a bowl of soup. And um, so like, 
Just like, this one's for free. Yo, don't give up your inheritance for a bowl of soup. Don't do it. Um, or don't give up your inheritance for anything equally stupid. But, you know, it'll preach. We laugh about it when we, when we look at this story. But really, it's like Esau, like, he was in the moment, but he wasn't thinking of the big picture, right? We don't want to be like that. And then later, um, in Genesis 27, not only has Jacob, like, tricked his brother out of his birthright, um, but he and his mother scheme again to trick his aging father into giving him a blessing. And he basically, like, puts on animal skin so he's hairy like his brother. Again, I don't know, but the dude was hairy. And um, he takes on all the rights of the firstborn son. And he's, like, scheming about this with his mother. This obviously makes Esau mad. And so he decides he's going to make a plan to kill Jacob. Like I said, soapy, right? Like, this dude is a mess. And so he goes on the run, and he encounters God after he's tricked his brother twice and made him really, really mad. He goes on the run in Genesis 28. And it says, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he lay down to sleep. Does not sound like a good pillow to me, but that's what he was working with. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Sound familiar? I am with you, and I will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking, and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And so this is really important. One of the reasons this is important is because the Lord is renewing the covenant that we talked about a few weeks ago that he made with Abraham. He's renewing this covenant now with Jacob, where he says, all peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. So the Lord's saying, again, exactly what he said to Abraham, that he's going to bless the whole world through Jacob and his descendants. And it's also super interesting, because at this point in his life, Jacob has not done much, if anything, to warrant, like, to merit such a blessing. Now, he's, like, stolen a blessing, but he's not really done anything to merit a blessing. He's been a schemer, and he's on the run to find a wife out of town so he doesn't get killed by his brother. Yet the Lord says, I'm going to use you to bless the whole world. You guys, if God can use Jacob and can speak to him in this scenario when he's a complete mess and he's on the run so his brother doesn't kill him, I think that's encouraging because it means he can use us too. Right? If God can use a guy that is, that is in a mess this deep, he can use us too. And so Jacob encounters God in this place and, and he kind of receives the covenant. He's like, okay, if you're going to do that, then you'll be my God. And, and so we kind of like start to see a shift in his life, but he is not ready for full character change yet. We need way more shenanigans before we see Jacob become the Jacob he is meant to be.
So Jacob, he goes to the land of Haran. He um, is looking for his mother's family. He's supposed to find a wife from them because his dad doesn't want him to marry like the local Canaanite gals, right? And so he goes, he finds um, his uncle Laban, and he falls in love with Rachel, who is Uncle Laban's daughter. He falls in love with her, um, and he's like, hey, I will work for you, Laban, seven years if you'll give me Rachel as a wife. And the dad's like, deal. Um, right? And so he basically makes this agreement, and after seven years of working for this guy, and he's like, at this point, honestly working, not tricking him, honestly working for seven years, Jacob gets tricked, y'all. Because he... He's like, okay, I've worked for seven years. I want my wife now. Uncle Laban's like, all right. And, and so they go through his whole wedding ceremony. I have to imagine that his wife was veiled. And the way the Bible puts it is he woke up in the morning and behold, it was Lee, which is her sister. So Uncle Laban tricks the trickster and he's like, well, it's our custom that the older daughter gets married first. Didn't mention that before the wedding. Kind of a mess. So this dude has a wife, and like, you gotta feel for Lee in this situation, because she's like, I wasn't trying to be here. This guy didn't even want to marry me. Now we're married. So he has a wife that was not the wife he's supposed to have, and he says, okay, fine. I'll work for seven more years, and I want the other daughter as my wife as well because that's going to be a happy home when you put two rival sisters as wives of the same man. It's not, that's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. As, as was lovingly put, one wife is enough. <laughs> one wife is enough, four, like two or four or whatever, like that's, that's a lot of drama under one house, right? Soapy. Um, and so he ends up and he's married to these two sisters, right? He's married to two sisters, Lee and Rachel, and they go on the great baby race. This is what I've named it, the great baby race, <laughs> right? Because Jacob's in love with Rachel, and Lee's sad about it, so she prays to the Lord, and she starts to have babies, because she's like, well, I'm gonna like give this man some heirs, and then he'll love me, right? So she has Reuben, and then she has Simeon, then she has Levi, and then she has Judah. She's busy. And at this point, Rachel figures out that, like, she is not getting pregnant. She's not been able to have a baby, but she can't lose the baby race. So she takes her servant, Bilhah, and she says, here, Jacob, you can have my servant, too, so that I can have children through her, right? Because it's not a good idea, y'all. It's a big mess. So Bilhah has Dan and Nefalti. Right? And then Lee's like, well, I can't be outdone by this, so I'm going to give you my servant, Jacob. Right? And so she gives her ser servant Zilpha to have children to compete with her sister. Zilpha has Gad and Asher. Are you guys keeping count? It's a lot of children. And Rachel finally has a baby. His name is Joseph, and we're going to hear his story next week from Matt. And then later she has Benjamin, but that's like much, much later. It's a lot. It's a lot of drama. So like Jacob is still living and working for Uncle Laban, has these two wives that are now four wives, kind of, or two wives and two concubines, however you want to define it, and all these kids. And like, does it sound like a happy household? Maybe not. Maybe not. 
So at some point he decides, you know, I'm, I've been tricked. Now I'm still working for this guy. I'm never going to have my own wealth. He, he works out a deal with him about like some livestock and he's going to keep the speckled ones and Laban gets the not speckled ones. And then they get into it. So eventually he's like, okay, I'm going to leave. I'm going to return back to my father with my wives and all my kids and all the things I've, I've earned. And God speaks to him in Genesis 31.3. He says, Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your father and grandfather and to your relatives there, and I will be with you. And he obeys. I have to think of all the times we see people obey in the Bible, this might have been one of the easiest ones to be like, Yes, Lord, I am out of here. There is like so much tension. So he, he takes um, his wives. But like to set it up, he's having a hard time in Haran with Uncle Laban, right? But like to return means he's going back to where? He's going back to his dad and mom. He's also going back to his brother who last we left him wants to murder him. So it's like he's not going back to a great situation either. And like, just think about it. Like, how would you feel? How would you feel if the person you really hurt or messed up with or wronged is like where you're headed and you're going to meet up with them? Like, how would you feel? Like, what kind of dread would you have? Um, So we're going to pick up. This is going to be like our main text, right? In Genesis 32, this is like he's gone ahead and he's like, here's his brothers coming to meet him. So Esau's coming to meet him. Here's he's coming. And so he sends some gifts ahead, which is smart, you know? Like, you made somebody mad, maybe send some presents, right? He sends some gifts ahead, and then he's, like, going to spend the night, and he knows the next day he's going to see Esau. And so this is where this scripture falls in Jacob's story. Genesis 32, verse 22 and following, it says, That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he set out over, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so the hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what's your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed, and he was limping because of his hip. So what on earth is so significant? We've heard like... This whole mess of this dude's story that's in the Bible, you can read it. Um, What is so significant about this? So like in this moment, in this night of wrestling, the schemer who's wrestled his whole life finally has the one wrestling match that changes his life forever. This is the one that finally causes change, that finally is like the pivot point in his life. So the man... The man that wrestled with Jacob, we later find out, is the Lord. This is indicated in this text when Jacob says, it's because I saw God face to face, yet my life was spared. So he says, like, I saw God face to face. So he acknowledges that this was God, 
And this encounter with God changed his life. Like this encounter, this wrestling match with God changed his life. Um, So like in this, this is kind of how. This is what happens in this wrestling match that God like uses to shift and to pivot him and, and change him into the Jacob that he's intending for him to be, that he will bless him and his descendants will bless the nations. So God literally changes his walk, right? We, we read that his hip was touched. It's wrenched out of socket. I don't know what that feels like, but probably not great. Um, so God literally changes his walk and he walks with a, rent for the, a limp for the rest of his life, we were told. But this is kind of like an outward picture of the inward spiritual reality of what's happening. God changed how Jacob would walk and live his life from that day forward. So his encounter with God left him changed. And lest he forget it, it left him changed physically. So it was like every time he limped, it was a reminder that I encountered God face to face. And sometimes, like in our lives, when we, we go through something hard and we're left with like a limp, we, we tend to think like it's a bad thing. But in this case, the limp was God reminding him over and over and over. Every time he got up to walk somewhere, you encounter me face to face. And so it was like an outward manifestation, but it, like, it was indicative of a deeper spiritual reality of what happened in his life. So God also uses this encounter to make him persistent in the right things. So this dude was pretty persistent, not always in the right things. But Jacob, in this story, he wrestles all night long to receive a blessing. I know some of you guys like wrestling, right? Some of you guys like wrestling. Wrestling matches are interesting. How long do they usually last? Uh, like 10 minutes, 10 to 20. Yeah, 10 to 20 minutes. Like a really, really long wrestling match. How long would that be? 60 minutes, right? So this is like, not 60 minutes, this is all night. He wrestled, like you guys, that's persistent. He's like, I'm not letting go. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up, not tapping out. I'm after this. Like he learns to be persistent. And God encourages persistence in all areas of our lives, including the spiritual. Where in your spiritual life do you need more persistence? Because as we struggle through tough conditions, right, that's where God develops our character and strengthens our character. It's in those moments that we have to be persistent, that God strengthens us and makes us people of character. It's through those struggles that he develops us. Um, And Jesus taught about this um, when he talked about prayer. Jesus talked about shameless persistence in prayer. In Luke 11, 5 through 8, it says this. Then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread, and you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out to you from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Like, we've all had that friend, right? Or, like, that tiny nephew or that, like, toddler in our life. Um, If you've ever been around very small kids, like, they ask. And they ask. And they ask. 
right? And it's like they wear you down. But Jesus is saying like in prayer, like spiritually, we're supposed to be that shamelessly persistent that we ask and we ask and we ask. That we go after God again and again and again. And we just like keep going. Like that toddler that's like, no, you will give me the cookie because I will ask more times than you have no's and you, like, right? Like we're supposed to be that shamelessly persistent. Um, and then God changes his name. We saw this with Abraham too. That in the new names we talked about were a symbol of how God changed their lives. So like he changes their life and they get a new name. So um, we see in Jacob's name change how his character has changed. Because Jacob, like I said, my name comes from this. It means ambitious deceiver. How would you like that to be the root of your name? It means ambitious deceiver. Yuck. Um, but his name gets changed to Israel, which means one who struggles with God and overcomes. Yeah, we got Israel. It means one who struggles with God and overcomes. One of those is better than the other, right? One of those, one ambitious deceiver, one who struggles with God and overcomes, right? And so we see his, his character develop, and it's like shown in this name change. Um, and so like, really, I think when we're talking about Jacob, this turning point in his life, his, char- his character shifts, and he goes from like a trickster to one who will struggle for the glory of God is really the best way to think about it. He'll struggle for the glory of God. I really think his whole life for us like, is a picture of how to pursue God. And like this particularly is a picture of how to pursue God. Like he's all in. Like even before he's all in after God, after this blessing, when he encounters God face to face, he's all into something, right? Eventually he gets focused on the right thing, but he's all in. And he's persistent. He goes to extremes, but he chases after what he thinks matters most. Even before, before encountering God, he chases after what he thinks matters most. Then, like, the Lord kind of, like, hones it and, and, like, directs it towards himself. But he chases after what he thinks matters most. And once he realizes what matters most is God, his life changes. And then from him and his, whole, and his descendants, the whole world is changed. The whole world is blessed. Right, And so I, I really think that Jacob's whole life is a picture for how we're supposed to pursue God. And you guys, there are going to be times in life that like, you need to pursue God. You need to have that shameless persistence. A lot of times it's in prayer. Like a lot of times the wrestling that we'll do in life, sometimes it's real. Sometimes it's, it's like, you know, contending with actual people and, and like, like fighting for like actual like justice things in our lives. But like sometimes, most of the time, The place we're supposed to be shamelessly persistent is in prayer. And we go back to God again and again and again because we want to know his will. We want to know what's best. We want him to move in a situation. You know, and and I think God, like, he rewards that. He rewards that shameless persistence. And um, he wants us to struggle. Like, that sounds crazy. You're like, Jesus wants to bless us. He doesn't want us to struggle, Jackie. No, Jesus wants us to struggle because a lot of times we think like, well, why can't God just tell me what to do? Anybody prayed it? Why can't God just tell me what to do? Right? So sometimes he does. And I know at least I don't listen. Sometimes he already has like thousands of years ago and he wrote it down in a book called the Bible 
and I don't open it. Right? But then he puts us in a situation in our life where we start to struggle and we start to go after it. And then we are like, we're aware and we're attuned and we're like looking for the answer. And like he uses that struggle to, to build character in us and to draw us closer to him. Because, you know, God is more concerned about us knowing him than he is about us receiving the blessing. Like, he's more concerned that in that struggle, he builds that character and that persistence that we go to him and we know him and we trust him than he is about us receiving whatever thing we're praying about. Um, And so a really quick story, and and then we'll wrap up in prayer. But like, so there was a time in my life where I really wanted God's answer on something. And I decided I'm going to adopt this shameless persistence, right? This shameless persistence. And so what happened is like once, once long, long ago in the land far away called Knoxville, I was a freshman in college, right? And I saw this very handsome dude walking across presidential courtyard. And he's walking across with his like Ross hair and his sandals. And I see him, and like, jokingly, but in my spirit, I see him, he's cute, and I'm like, Jesus, I want that one. You guys, it was a dangerous prayer. I was like, Jesus, I want that one. So I, like, I forget about this, like, long, long after that. I I thought he was, I thought he was cute. But then, so I get involved in a very tiny, smaller than this, Christian fellowship called Chi Alpha at University of Tennessee in Knoxville. And like partway through the first service, who walks in? But like, God, I want that one, right? And and I'm like, oh, oh snap, it's the cute guy. Like he goes here. And what are the chances? Because there's only like 13 of us, <laughs> like and like the cute guys in the room, right? And so we get to know each other. And then he says what like every Christian girl wants to hear. And he's like, will you pray about us dating? And I'm like. So like, check it, everything in me wanted to be like, I don't need to pray, I'm there, let's go out Friday night. But, but, I have been hurt, I have been in some really messy, really bad relationships before, so really I was like, okay, Lord, while he's hot, I... I don't want to like rush out too fast and like get my heart broken and end up in some bad situation. So I'm going to pray about it and I'm not going to do anything, Lord, until you speak to me. Right? And I meant it. Yo, I meant it. Um, So I started to pray about this thing and I don't hear anything. So then I start to do this thing in the Bible that my campus pastor, Pastor Chuck Lester, is really passionate about called fasting. And I'm like, I'm going to pray and fast once a week and ask the Lord to answer my question, should I date this mad guy? It's that one. Um, and and like, I'm like, Lord, should I, should I date the guy? I don't hear anything. I talk to my chaos pastor, Pastor Chuck. Pastor Chuck really likes fasting. So now I'm like, okay, I'll fast two days a week. You guys, so I'm like fasting, I'm, no joke, two days a week. And I'm like, Lord, show me like what to do. And you guys, like at this point, it becomes funny because I'm like, I'm pursuing God. And somewhere in the fasting and the Bible reading and the seeking counsel from like Pastor Chuck and my life group leader, and like I'm growing spiritually. Like I'm growing like tons spiritually. 
but I'm real focused on like, am I supposed to date the Matt guy, right? And like, I'm like pursuing this answer, pursuing this answer. We go into, um, well, yeah, we're like, we're like going in, into the second semester and I'm like really interested in this guy. I think I've already told him like, no, I don't want to pray about dating you, but I'm praying about dating him. Um, I just was like, no, I'm just going to tell him no. And then if it's Lord, you let it go and it'll come back to you. That's not in the Bible. Um, I learned that through all the Bible reading and fasting. But I'm like, I'm like really pursuing an answer in this. And then I start having like this recurring dream that like I marry the Matt guy. Still, still, you guys, I'm like, Lord, speak to me. <laughs> he might have been. I don't know. I didn't know about dreams. I didn't know you could have prophetic dreams. So I'm just like, Lord, speak to me every night a dream. I'm going to marry this Matt guy. Um, you know, and then, and then the Matt guy is like, do you feel like you have an answer from the Lord yet? And I, I was like, no to you. And he's like, I do, but I want you to pray till you hear from God. And then I'm like, God, speak. Like, you guys know, you know, like, and guys don't do this. But a lot of times, not great guys from not Chi Alpha Memphis will be like, well, the Lord told me it's okay. Don't do that. Don't be God's word for somebody else, right? But like this guy was like, no, I want you to hear from God for yourself. And I was like, what? And so then I'm like, please say yes. Please say yes. But I'm like praying and praying and praying. And like, finally, I think it was like days before Valentine's Day, because like the Lord wanted to make it really awkward. I just, like I had this peace. I, I had this absolute peace. And, and I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I really feel like the Lord just gave me a yes. So we have a conversation, and one conversation, kind of like start dating, and then like talk about, well, we weren't really praying about if this was the person I was supposed to date, because I really didn't want to date. He didn't really want to date. We were like, I kind of just want to be done with relationships to like, you show me the person I'm going to marry. So like, in kind of one conversation, we like talked about like, we're probably getting married someday, right? <laughs> No joke. Like, crazy. We didn't get engaged right then, but, like, like, it was like, that's the plan. And then, like, y'all, relief. Like, I never had to know the plan again. Like, I, I prayed it through, and I had an answer. Um, but, like, in all of that, all of that to say, like, the really, the cool outcome I wanted is, like, the Lord gave me an answer about, should I date the Matt guy? Obviously, we dated. And then he did propose. And then we did get married. Fast forward. Now there's high off Memphis. struggle and that wrestling and that shameless persistence because I'm sure at some point Jesus was like I like wake up in the morning and I would open my Bible and some of y'all know I journal and like like I'd like sit down and I'd be like God are you going to answer me today and I'm sure at some point the Lord was like will you just stop will you just stop but it was like in that he used that struggle which it was like a good struggle not all struggles are bad but he used that good struggle to draw me closer to him and draw me closer in relationship with him, which was really good because I needed to become the kind of Jackie that would be like a good wife to a Matt guy. And I wasn't there yet, <laughs> right? And so like I needed the Lord to like do that process. But like I think so many times the Lord wants us to struggle in that way. He wants us to pursue him. He wants us to have to develop that shameless persistence where we're going to him and we're wrestling it out with him and not like, just like, well, Lord bless it and then go on. And like, as we read Jacob's story, I think it's a perfect picture of that, right? Like in the beginning, he's like, I want the blessing, gets the blessing, leaves. 
right? But then he wrestles all night with God, and he's like, got to be persistent, and it, like, causes life change, which is what God was after. God wasn't, like, after, like, I want to bless you. Like, we read back at the very first verses, God already said that, like, the older brother was going to serve the younger, and he was going to do it. Like, it was spoken before he was born, but God wasn't super, like, concerned with, like, the outcome. He was concerned with Jacob becoming the guy that could receive the outcome. And I think that's what he wants us to learn from this as well, right? The Lord wants us to learn that persistence and that struggling and wrestling with him where he can make us who he wants us to be to receive the blessings he has for us. And why why are we blessed? We talked about it with Abraham. Why are we blessed? To be a blessing, right? So he wants to make us a person that can receive the blessing, and then we we go be a blessing to others. Um, And then you guys can read it, but from there he does reconcile with his brother Esau, and he returns to Bethel where he encountered encountered God the first time. And eventually we see one of his children be used to save an entire generation from starvation. That's a story for next week. So the takeaways from tonight, first of all, God blesses us to be a blessing. It comes up again and again and again, and anytime something repeats in the Bible, it's like God drawing like a giant exclamation point. I want you to get this. God blesses us to be a blessing. The second takeaway is God wants us to be persistent in our spiritual lives. He wants us to go after him. He wants us to keep at it and keep at it and keep at it like a toddler. If y'all need like a lesson in this, go hang out with like Jaden right now and, and Kendrick. They're the perfect age to teach you this lesson. But go at it and add it and add it. He wants us to be persistent in our spiritual lives. And then God wants to use our struggles to bring change. God wants to use whatever that thing is. It may be a good struggle. It may be a bad struggle. He wants to use those struggles to bring change and bring us closer to him. Um, and so we're going to pray. And there's just three prayer points. Um, and, and then we'll take a moment to pray. The first one is, have you met God have you encountered Jesus and let him change your life? Because you may be here tonight and you may be like, you know, this is all well and good, but like, I don't know the Jesus that this Jacob guy's life is pointing to. Well, like Jesus, he was the son of God. Um, he lived on this earth after being born of virgin, lived a sinless life. He worked miracles. And then he was crucified even though he didn't do anything wrong. He died on the cross. And three days later, he rose from the grave to forgive us of our sins and to conquer death and sin for us. And when we trust on him, we can know him as our Lord and Savior. Our life can be changed. We can be in right relationship with God. Right? But you may be like, hey, I don't even, I don't even know God. I've not encountered Jesus. I've not let him change me. If that's you, y'all, that's the most important decision you can make. In the whole world, that's the most important decision you can make. And so I encourage you to make that when we pray in a minute. The second thing we'll pray about is, is there somewhere God is calling you to be persistent? Is there somewhere in your life that God is like, I'm calling you to be persistent, and I need you to, like, in this moment, take a moment to pray and commit to go after it? And the third one is, is there somewhere in your life that you're struggling that God wants to use to bring change? And so if there's somewhere that there's like a struggle and God's trying to use it to bring change, you guys don't let go until he blesses you. Don't let go. Just tonight in prayer, you and God decide, 
Lord, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep after this thing until like you bring me through it and you do exactly what you're do you're trying to do. You know, it's sometimes that's a quick thing. Sometimes we struggle for years and years and years. But God has a purpose in it and He's always good. He's always good. Right? So we're gonna pray about those things and just kind of feel led that like we're just gonna chill in our seats, right? Take a few moments. This is you and God. This is you and God. So if you guys will bow your heads, we're just gonna spend some moments in prayer with the Lord. Lord, I pray over these students in the name of Jesus that God you would work your blessing in their lives. God, that you would God help each of us to hear your word tonight, to apply it to our life, and God, that we would really be changed. As we read that Jacob was changed after he wrestled with you. God, I pray that tonight would be a defining pivot point in our lives, God, that we would begin to change. And Lord, we trust you for it. In the name of Jesus. Y'all, so with head bows and heads bowed and eyes closed, is there anybody here that says, you know, I haven't met God. I want to know Jesus and let him change my life. Is that anyone tonight? That's you. Would you just raise your hand? People aren't looking around. Okay, I see those hands. So take a moment, and um, I just encourage you to pray along with me. Lord Jesus, I trust you to be my Savior and my Lord. Lord, I know that I've done wrong, and I'm separated from you, but God, I want to know you, and I want you to bring change in my life. Help me to follow you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we praise you for changed lives tonight. All right, and then, um, you guys, if there's somebody here that says, I feel like there's somewhere that God's calling me to be persistent. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I'm just going to pray over you. Yeah, lots of hands. Lots of hands. Lord, you see these hands. In Jesus' eyes, pray in your holy name, God, that you would give us just a persistent spirit. God, that you would help us to keep after you in these areas that you're calling us to be persistent. God, would you help us, Holy Spirit, would you strengthen us? God, enable us to be persistent in Jesus' name. And then the last one, is there somewhere that you're struggling and you sense that God wants to use that to bring change? That anybody? Yeah. Lord, you see our struggles. Lord, you see our struggles. You see the things that we're wrestling with. And God, I pray that you would give each and every one of these students tonight, these staff tonight, God, give us this tenacity to keep after you in the struggle, Lord, to focus on you, to pursue you, Lord Jesus. And I pray that you won't let us stop until we receive the blessing and the victory and we know you more through it. We trust you for it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.